You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. So here we are at home again, on the early group, drinking coffee, or maybe driving somewhere. But, you know, God is so good. He knew this was coming. He knew that we were going to be shut down, and He planned for that so that we could go online and so everybody could be reached in their own homes. Ten years ago, I'm not sure that would have been possible. God, God is just so good. So good. So good. We've been reading through the Bible together. Um, every day we read a chapter together as at Embassy Church. And if you go on Facebook and I think Instagram as well, you can see which chapter we're reading for that day. It's posted there. And a, a week or two ago, we were reading in 2 Corinthians. And I read in chapter 8. Verse, verse 11, the, the, the latter part of verse 11, Paul is saying, you should finish what you started. You were so eager in your intentions to give, so go and do it. And finish this act of worship according to your ability to give. And I read that. And of course, we read that and we find that worship, is our giving is worship to God. And then I thought, what if there's more to it than that? What if finishing what we started is an act of worship? You should finish what you started. You were so eager in your attentions to give, so go do it. Now in this chapter, the, the, the background behind it is that the church in Jerusalem was being persecuted pretty bad. And the church in Jerusalem had very little. And so all the churches in Macedonia and around the area had gotten together and pledged a big offering for the church in Jerusalem. And I think it was Titus, although I may be wrong, was sent to collect all those offerings. And then, of course, there were people with him to guard them from robbery. And then he was to deliver it into Jerusalem. So when Paul is talking to them here, this is what he's saying. He said, you, you pledged to God to do this. You should finish what you started. You were so eager in your intentions to give, so you should do it. Finish this act of worship according to your ability to give. I think finishing what you started and keeping your commitments that you make to God are so important, maybe more important than we think. We make commitments to God and sometimes we let them slide um, or maybe it gets difficult or maybe we commit financially and suddenly we haven't got the money to carry through on the commitment. Um, and, and just the world overtakes us, you know? The uh, concerns of the world, it just sometimes overtakes us that we kind of forget. But maybe our commitment to God needs to be renewed once in a while. Father, I thank you this morning for being with me, for being with us. I thank you, Father, this morning for speaking through me. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your words would be spoken, nothing more, nothing less, and that what you want to accomplish today would be accomplished. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So as Christians, we have given our life to Christ. We've accepted the gift of reconciliation that Jesus' sacrifice offers to us. Jesus died so we could be reunited with our Father. He paid the price so that we could be adopted into the family of God and we could be reunited with Him. Jesus offers us the forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of all our mistakes, 
The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. And I think it's important that it's the wages of sin that is death. Because sin, eventually when it starts paying its wages, will kill everything that you have, everything around you. And finally, when you have nothing left, it will take you as well. But Jesus offered a way out of that. We don't have to go there. We don't have to go there. And Jesus, Father, our Father God doesn't want us to go there. He loves us. He loves everybody. Every human being. I have a fish tank at home. <laughs> and uh, I have fish in that fish tank. You know, and those fish are important to me. I don't like it when one of them dies. But, you know, they probably don't even know I exist. You know, once a day, the lid opens up and manna from heaven comes down into the water and they get to eat. And sometimes we live our life like fish in a fish tank. We just look for our, our needs to be met and our wants to be met. And we have no idea of what else is going on out there. But God loves us. He cares when any of us die. In Ezekiel 18, verses 23 and verses 32, I'm going to read them both, but these are really cool verses. It's God talking. He says, Do I enjoy watching the wicked die? No. I, the Eternal One, would prefer for the wicked to stop doing the wrong things that they do and live. Verse 32, I don't enjoy watching anyone die, so turn back to me and live. God is not an egomaniac. God is not somebody who demands worship just because it puffs him up and makes him feel good and I am the king of the universe and everybody bow down. That's not it at all. But the wages of sin is death. When we decide to sin or even when we sin unintentionally and God shows it to us and we kind of don't deal with it, it brings death. And God says he does not enjoy watching sin kill people. He does not enjoy watching anybody die in sin. So stop doing the wrong things. Turn back to me and live. The best way to live this life, the very best way to live this life that God has given us is to commit ourselves 100% to him. To commit ourselves 100% to what he tells us to do. And of course, most of what he tells us to do is written in the Bible. But it's all written. It's all written with love. And it's all written with God's intention of making this life the best life possible for us. Because that's how God made it to work. If I buy a car and it has a diesel engine in it, and I put gasoline in that engine, it's not going to run too well because that engine was not made for that kind of a fuel. If we live this life, we put the wrong fuel into our minds, it's not good, we're not gonna to run too well. So I wanna talk a little bit this morning just about commitment. Commitment to God, committing ourselves to God. In Matthew 16, no, Matthew 19, verses 16 to 24, there's the story of the rich young ruler. We're just going to read through it. Then a young man, teenager it says, approached Jesus and bowed before him, saying, Wonderful teacher, is there a good work I have to do to obtain eternal life? 
And Jesus answered, why would you call me wonderful? God alone is wonderful. And why would you ask what good work you need to do? Keep the commandments and you'll enter into the life of God. Which ones, he asked. Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Honor your father and mother and love those around you like you love yourself. But I've always obeyed every one of them without fail, the young man replied. What else do I lack? And Jesus said to him, if you really want to be perfect, go now and sell everything you own. One of the versions says Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, if you really want to be perfect, go now and sell everything you own. Give your money to the poor and your treasure will be transferred into heaven. Then come back, follow me for the rest of your life. And then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, listen, do you understand how difficult it is for the rich to enter into heaven's kingdom realm? In fact, it's easier to stuff a heavy rope through the eye of a needle than it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. This young man must have been an amazing man because he was living under the law and doing well at it. Very few people live under the law and do well at it. But he said he kept all the commandments since he was a child. And Jesus did not disagree with him. He said, yes, you have, but there's only one thing that you lack. And Jesus loved him and said, you need to give up your dependence on your wealth and you need to depend on me. That's a tough, tough thing when you grow up dependent on your wealth. If this man was a teenager, he didn't create this wealth. He probably inherited it from his father. And it meant a lot to him. And he walked away sad because of how much it meant to him. God wants 100% of us. Jesus wanted 100% of this young man. The man walked away. I would like to think that at a later date, he turned around and went back to the disciples, probably after Jesus died, because I think this was on his way to Jerusalem his last time. I really would like to think that he did go back to the disciples afterwards and give everything he had to the poor. Maybe he was one of the ones, um, when it talks about Ananias and Sapphira, who were, or Acts chapter 2, who was who were selling their lands and giving the money to the church. Maybe he was one of those. We don't know. But what we do know is that between 68 and 70 AD, Rome destroyed Jerusalem completely. Anybody that wasn't killed was taken into slavery into another land. So if he did not give it all to God, he lost it anyway. Because Jesus said the last to be first, first to be last. And, which, and if he was a teenager at the time, he went to God. And it was 68 AD, that would be 68 years after Jesus was born. So take 20 off of that, probably 48 to 50 years old when Jerusalem was destroyed. But we, what we do know is that he went away sad because he really held on to his wealth. How many of us do that? I worked for, for a long time for the government and I got paid every two weeks without fail by the government. 
so easy to rely on that. So easy to go, well, it's okay, I'm going to get this in two weeks, and it's going to be there, and it's going to be good. So easy. And we've, we've all been there, we've all done that, we've all relied on our employers. But have we relied on Jesus to sustain the employers? We need to commit ourselves 100% to God so that if something happens to our employment and we're not employed anymore, that we can know, that we know, that we know that our Father God loves us so much, so much, that He will supply your every need. And it doesn't matter how hard it is of a circumstance when you're walking through, you can know that God is with you. He is with you, whether you feel Him or not. Because our God is good all the time. Our God is good when things are going well. Our God is just as good when things are not going well. And living our life for God doesn't mean that we won't face struggles. Because without struggle, you don't grow. Without struggle, you don't grow. And God doesn't want us to stay babies either. It's just unnatural to give birth to a child and, and when the child is 15 years old, still be in diapers and drinking from a bottle. It's just not normal. And God doesn't want us there either. So there will be times when you won't feel Him and it's going to be hard. But you need to know that He is there, whether you feel Him or not. Matthew chapter 22, 36 to 40. Pharisees come to Jesus trying to trick Him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that's within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Contained within these commandments to love, you will find the meaning of the law and the prophets. Prophets. We need to commit ourselves. We need to love. We need to love. Some of the benefits, I just want to go through some of the benefits maybe of committing ourselves to God. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. This is in the voice. A tender answer. Oops, that's chapter 15. Let's go to 16 here. People go about making their plans, but the eternal has the final word. Even when you think you have good intentions, he knows your real motives. Whatever you do, do it as a service to him, and he will guarantee your success. That's what the voice says. The passion says, before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. And then every plan you make will succeed. If we are 100% committed to God in what we do, in the jobs that we go to, in, in the employment that we have, in what God has called us to do, if we are 100% committed to God, God will lead us. He will tell us how to do it, where to go, and what to do. And Psalm 37.5 says, Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust Him along the way, you will find that He pulled it off perfectly. You know, God is such an incredible planner. I am 
sometimes so amazed at how intricate his plans are. And I am sure I don't know 5% of how they actually intricate they are. But when God does something and we submit to that, it affects, it's like a web. It affects so many people. And God can line up so many things to happen out of one incident. And he pulls it off perfectly. He is an incredible master planner. He plans it so well. Psalm 91, verse 14 to 16 in the message. If you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of trouble. I'll give you the best care you'll only get to know and trust me. Call me and I'll answer. I'll be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you. Then I'll throw you a party and I'll give you a long life. Give you a long drink of salvation. God promises as we commit to him everything that we do to be with us when the bad times come. When those times come, when our character is built, when we learn things about who God is, when our faith grows because he comes through all the time, God will give us a long life and a long drink of salvation. Psalm 31, 3 to 5. You are my rock and my fortress, my soul's sanctuary. Therefore, and this is so cool, therefore, for the sake of your reputation, be my leader. This is David talking. Be my guide. Be my navigator. Be my commander. Save me from the snare that has secretly been set out for me, for you are my protection. I entrust my spirit into your hands. You have redeemed me, O eternal God of faithfulness and truth. When God is our leader, He is with us. Do we never step into snares when God is our leader? For sure we will. But you know what? We can trust that God will pull us out of those snares. He will tell us. I, um, for the longest time, I was so concerned about when I was going to fall when I was going to fail. And the anxiety that that brought was huge. Always, you know, and always trying to do the right thing, always to always be perfect, always to be the Christian, the great super Christian. Um, bottom line is there is no such thing as a super Christian because um, the only way we walk through this is by giving ourselves 100% to God. But God said to me one day, he says, and, I, and I'm asking him, I said, well, how do I know when this happens? How do I know when I'm stepping into that? Because I really don't understand it really clearly. And I was looking for understanding. And what I got instead was God saying, one step at a time, Wayne. Put one step in front of the other. And trust me enough that I will let you know when you start to slide off the path. I was talking to Sean this morning and he was talking about driving home with a car on a trailer in the back. And it was uh, a gravel road, I believe, and he had to pull over to let another vehicle by. And his trailer started to slip into the ditch. And if it would have slipped into the ditch, it would have took the whole truck that he was in with it. But he pulled it out. He pulled it out. And we need to trust God that as we start to slip in the ditch, he will pull us out of the ditch. He won't let us hit the ditch 
so bad that we cannot recover from it. There is, there is no place that we can go where God won't let us, where, where we can't recover from the mistakes we've made. There isn't any place that we can go that God can't reach us. Romans chapter 8 is really clear about that. The last 8 to 10 verses of Romans chapter 8 tells us there's no place we can go where God can't reach us. That means there is, you know, it says the valleys, no place, the mountain, the depths of the water, the highest mountain. There's no place we can go that we can escape the love of God. And so we really just need to commit our lives to Him and put one step in front of the other and keep walking and trust that God loves us enough that He will let us know when we start to make a mistake. And really, the only thing we have to do is worship Him, spend time with Him. He will be my guide, my navigator, my commander. Psalm 78, 65. I love this verse. Joel, Joel and I were talking about this verse earlier this week. In the message it says, Suddenly the Lord was up on his feet, like somebody roused from a deep sleep, shouting like a drunken warrior. He hit his enemies hard and sent them running, yelping, and not daring to look back. I have an imagination. And I... And I read this, shouting like a drunken warrior, and I'm thinking of a Viking, a huge muscular Viking. He's got the red hair, he's got the red beard, and he spent too much time drinking the night before, and he's passed out, and he suddenly wakes up and gets angry and just screams and grabs his sword and just runs into whoever's messing him up. Maybe he's throwing beer bottles at him as he goes, I don't know. But this picture just makes me laugh. And I can see God doing that. You know, when we get attacked and, and it's enough is enough, God will step in and it will stop. And you can trust God that he'll step in at the right time, screaming like a drunken warrior. <laughs> I just love that. That is so awesome. But you know what? The only way we lose is if we quit. The only way we lose is if we quit. We've committed our lives to the way God wants us to. We've given our lives to Him. Sooner or later, like any commitment, we're going to fall short. How many of us have made New Year's resolutions and three weeks later have left them all by the wayside? You know, we all do that. We all fall short. The Bible says everyone has fallen short. But we need to get up. We need to get up when we fall down. We need to recommit ourselves to God. We re re repent. We ask God. We accept Jesus' sacrifice for us falling, whatever sin that is. And we get up and we keep walking. And we get up and we keep walking. And we get up and we keep walking. Maybe we get up and we stumble for a while before we get enough strength to start walking again. But the enemy only wins if we don't get up. How many movies have you seen where a guy is in a, in a fight and he gets beaten down? And you know, the guy, the, the enemy is cheering, he won the fight, and then the guy slowly gets up on his knees, slowly gets back up on his feet and steps back into the fight. 
And then as he goes, he gets stronger and he gets stronger and he defeats the enemy after he's fallen down. It's a good story. There are lots of those stories out there. But it's so true. We fall down. We fail. But we only lose the battle. We only lose the war if we don't get up. Is if we stay down there. Back to 2 Corinthians 8.11, I started with this. You should finish what you started. You are so eager in your commitment to give, so go and do it. Finish this act of worship according to your ability to give. Maybe you pledged finances to somebody and COVID hit and you lost your job. I'm not telling you to get up and spend what little you have, but you could go to God and ask him, how much? What do I need to do to worship you with my commitment? Because if God gave you that commitment in the first place, he knew COVID was coming. And he's got a plan for how you can fulfill your commitment. And you just need to go to him and find out what that plan is. I remember quite a while ago, Mike Tyson. He was a boxer, if you don't know who Mike Tyson was. He was a phenomenal boxer. Um, and one of the reasons, I'm not really... A boxing expert but I heard people say one of the reasons he was so good and he won so many fights was that he was a street fighter before he was a boxer and he did things nobody expected because he was a street fighter so he was fighting a guy and I don't even remember what it was but there was a pay-per-view event and it was this fight between Mike Tyson and this other guy and I think it was 35 bucks per view I think it's what it costs to, to watch it and this was 35 years ago, probably. So 35 bucks was a lot more than it is now. But I had a friend who bought it, right? And I went to his house to watch this fight. Um, and I don't watch boxing at all, but he was a friend and he was excited. So I went. So, you know, there's all these preliminary fights that go on and get to watch them. And the main event happens and Mike Tyson steps into the ring. And 35 seconds later, one punch and the guy's out cold on the mat and everybody is upset not because Mike Tyson won but because he won in 30 seconds you pay 35 bucks and 30 seconds later it's over but I thought about that then and I thought you know if you can go back in time to before the fight began and if you went up to Mike Tyson and he's saying oh man I don't know if I can win this one I don't know if I can do this and you because you've gone back in time know that he's gonna win if you could just get him into the ring, he's won the fight. If you could just get him to stand up and get into that ring, he wins the fight. Well, that's like God with us. He is God. He created the universe. There is nothing that can overcome him. There is no power that even comes close to what he has. Because... The more sin abounds, the more grace abounds. It's a direct proportion. The worse the sin is, the more the grace is. There is no sin that can outgrace grace. You just gotta get up, you gotta get back into the ring, and you just gotta keep walking. And you just gotta keep walking. Galatians 6, verses 9 to 10 in the message. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, 
Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. There are times when we do get weary. There are times when we get knocked down and we fall. And we need somebody to pick us up. We all need that. And I would encourage you, if you've fallen and you need some help getting up, call the office, ask for an appointment. Somebody will, will be there to help you, to help you get back up again. Because if you don't quit, you win. As long as you don't quit, you win. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how far you fell. It doesn't matter how much skin or DNA you left on the road. If you don't quit, you win. Because sin cannot outgrace God's grace. Not possible. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win? but only one receives the prize. Each one of you must run the race to be victorious. You know, we're not all running the same race. We're running the same race in the sense that we are running the race to please God, to do what God wants us to do because our commitment to Him and our love for Him demands that we do that. I can't imagine living my life without God. I really can't. We just have to get up and keep going. We gotta get up and keep going. And you know what? Those of us, and I say us because this applies to me. You know, somebody said this to me one time. Said, God cannot use perfectionism. How many of us want to be the perfect Christian all the time? That's me. I love God so much. I just want to be perfect all the time. But it's not going to happen. I am not going to be perfect all the time, ever, until I get to heaven. I just need God. I just need to trust God that when I fall, he'll be there to pick me up. And I just need to trust God when I put one foot in front of the other that God is going to let me know. He's going to be my navigator. He's going to tell me when I get a couple of degrees off course to pull it back again. We need to take one step at a time. Trust God to keep us. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about me. Because um, I think God wants me to. So I probably still have a problem with perfectionism. But at least I know it's there now. I can work on it. So a little while back, I fell. I sinned. It was at the end of about two months of um, fighting with the enemy. Now when I say fighting with the enemy, I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning and feel absolutely hopeless for no reason whatsoever. And I knew it was the spirit of hopelessness and I knew it was, it was not God. And I had to get up and fight. I had to fight the spirit of hopelessness. I had to use the word of God and fight it off. Sometimes it would go in an hour. 
One time it lasted for 30 hours before, I finally, before it finally broke. But sometimes, one, some, one night it was hopelessness. Some nights I woke up, it was fear. Some nights I woke up, it was shame. Some nights it was a combination of them all. So I had been doing this for about two months. It started with one night a week kind of thing. It went to two nights and then it went to four nights. And then the last week it was every single night. I was, I was running on about three and a half or four hours of sleep a night because every night I would wake up at two or three in the morning and have to fight the enemy. And I fought and I fought and I fought. And one day I just couldn't fight anymore and I fell. And the voices, the voices that in my head, the thoughts that were running through my head, Ha, you don't, you're not such a great Christian after all, are you? The great Wayne has fallen, you know? You're not that great. You're not that good. All these, all these things, all these things were, were, were um, all these things were running in my head. And they were screaming at him. And then one voice says to me, it said, after all Jesus has done for you, this is how you treat him. And I broke down and I wept and I cried and I cried. And then a little, small, calm, very calm voice, because all these other ones are screaming. I actually heard some rejoicing, but they're all screaming at me. And then one small, quiet voice, a very calm voice, said, they only win if you don't get up. They only win if you don't get up. And then I fell asleep. And I got up at 7, which is Sunday morning, and I went to church. And I really wanted to get to the truck and run and drive away because I was so ashamed. But that was not God. God didn't give me the shame. God said, they only win if you don't get up. So get up, do what you know to do. And so I did that. I got up, I did what I knew to do. And it took two or three days. And one day I was, I was just sitting with God, a couple of days later, and weeping and weeping. It was funny that Charity would mention that God gives us animals to show us how much he loves us. So I was sitting outside of the step of the deck and my dog came up and just sat down beside me. And God reminded me that he made that dog especially for me. Its temperament, its personality, its size, the way it looks, what it does. God made it just for me. And God said to me, that's how much I love you, that I will make sure that when I give you a gift, it is the perfect gift. And I'll make sure you get it. And then everything broke and I just fell in the love of God. And it was so amazing. But we are going to fall. And when we fall, if you've got a bit of perfectionism like I do, then your whole world crumbles. 
And I love God so very much. But he loves me a whole lot more. So I get up and, and you just recommit. You put one step in front of the other until God falls on you. And you feel his love once more. Hebrews 12.1 For us, if we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out for us. That phrase, every wound that has pierced us, I think literally means every arrow tip that is sunk in us. The implication is carrying an arrow tip inside and having it fester. A wound that weighs us down and keeps us from running our race without freedom. We get up, we move on, because God is with us. Even when I felt so horrible and so bad, God is still with us. And let me be clear, feeling the horrible and feeling bad was not God's making me feel bad for what happened. That was our enemy making me feel bad with what happens. Our, our battle with the enemy is between the ears. It's, with, it's our feelings. It's, it's, our, it's our thoughts. You know, it's, it's our thought patterns. It's the neural pathways that, that we've talked about in the past. When God says to renew our mind, that's what he's talking about. We need to renew the way we think. And the enemy will take every chance it can to try and get us to think that way again. And that's when we just have to get up and put one foot in front of the other and keep walking. What I actually did, this was suggested to me. I got up that morning. I went downtown. This was probably about 8 o'clock in the morning. I found some people who didn't have breakfast, and I bought them breakfast. I did something for somebody else. I got up, even though I didn't want to, even though I didn't feel like it. We have to get up and keep going. We can't lay and let those wounds fester inside of us. We have to give them to God and let God heal them. Because we're not perfect. We are going to fall. We are going to fail. We just need to get up and recommit. we got to get up and recommit. It doesn't matter how many times you've fallen. You, if you don't get up, you lose. If you commit the same sin 2,000 times and you get up again and say, okay, I'm going to give it another shot, you win. Because God is with you and as long as you don't quit, you win. As long as you don't quit, you win. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I'm calling on the heavens and the earth to be witnesses against you I give you the choice today between life and death, between being blessed and being cursed. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. If you give in to shame and you run, you're not choosing life. You're choosing death. If you give up to rejection and you say, I'm not going to church anymore because nobody there likes me. Nobody there cares. Nobody cares if I'll ever show up or not. And if you fall into that rejection and you don't get up and come, you lose. You have to fight that. That is the enemy trying to keep you from God. You've got to get up and you've got to put one foot in front of the other, even though all you want to do is go isolate yourself and hide somewhere. 
Believe me, I know. I've been there. I've been there. When fear holds you absolutely motionless and you're paralyzed because you can't move because of fear, that's the enemy trying to keep you from going, stepping in one foot in front of the other. Some people don't come to church because of fear. They're afraid of what might be said to them. You're afraid of what might be done to them. Afraid of what might happen on Sunday morning. You need to get up and you need to go put one foot in front of the other because then you win. Because you're doing the exact, thing, the exact thing that Satan's trying to keep you from doing. And if you can recognize that it's him trying to keep you from doing it, you can get up and you beat him just by doing the thing he doesn't want you to do. And it's just as simple as putting one foot in front of the other and doing and walking in the path that God has laid out before you. Recommit to God. You get up, you repent, you recommit to God. And it's part of learning, it's part of walking. The story I told you, although I knew perfectionism was a problem, perfectionism made that a much bigger problem than it should have been. And through it all, God has showed me that. I can work on that now. It's something that I know that I can do. But I can't do it if I give into it. I can't beat it if I give into it. Got to get up off the mat, no matter how bloody you are, and you got to stand back up. Lean on our Father. Lean on the Holy Spirit. Take the offering that Jesus hands out to you, because he died for everything. And just put one foot in the other and just knock Satan in the teeth by just doing what he doesn't want you to do. I'm going to pray. That's, um, I am just going to ask God. I'm going to pray for all of you out there who have fallen and haven't gotten up. Or maybe if you have fallen and you have gotten up, but you're still maimed and you're still limping, because you haven't been able to free yourself from those, the thoughts that the enemy dumps into your head. And I want to encourage you to phone the church and make an appointment with somebody if you need to talk to somebody. By all means, we weren't created to do this alone. And there are people here to help you get back up, put one foot in the other, and keep walking. One of the reasons Alcoholics Anonymous works so well is because there's never any judgment there. You can go back to your AA group and say, you know what, for the 28th time this year, I got drunk. And there's no judgment. They just help you get back up and keep walking. It's getting up and keep walking that helps you overcome. And how much more when you get up and keep walking with God at your side? So I'm going to pray, and everybody who wants to pray with me, please, please pray with me. Please pray with me. Stop the truck, stop the car, pull it over if you need to. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you, Father, that you've given us the strength to get up and put one foot in front of the other, no matter how bad we've been beaten up, no matter how messed up we are, Lord God, we commit to you that we are not going to lose. 
Father, I commit to you that I'm going to stand up. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And I'm going to do that thing that Satan is trying to get me not to do. I'm going to recommit to you, Lord. I accept the gift that Jesus gives me, the gift of strength, the gift of grace, to be able to stand up and put one foot in front of the other and keep going. Thank you for your grace, Father. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for helping us to do this. Help him for help. Thank you for helping us walk this life one step at a time. Thank you, Lord, for helping us walk through it. You're such an amazing God, and I love you so much. So much. Father, I commit to you today to stand up and to start moving again, even if it's a limp, even if I'm dragging a one foot that doesn't work. Father, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to start walking again. And I'm just going to trust you to be with me. Father, in Jesus' name. And for any of you out there listening that don't know this God of ours, that has never committed your life to our Lord, I want to pray for you too. Just pray this with me if you want to commit your life to the Lord. And He will be with you all the time. He will move right into your heart. It's so amazing, like I said at the beginning, He created this universe but he lives inside of you. So good. Father, thank you for the gift that Jesus is offering me. I accept that gift. I accept that gift. Lord, I've done it my way. It's been the wrong way. So I accept the gift of salvation that Jesus died for, that you're offering to me, the gift that his blood paid for it. Holy Spirit, thank you for dwelling and moving into my life. And I commit to you to do my best to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.